Well, we're excited this morning to do something a little different. We have a guest speaker. Andy Campman is one of the pastors at Austin Stone, and we've been looking forward to having him come and talk to us because Andy has a, an enviable job. He gets to be the, the director of mobilization at Austin Stone, which is a fancy title, which simply means he gets to recruit and train people to go long-term to the nations, to take the gospel of Jesus all over the world, which is awesome. So he gets to do that every day. We get to enjoy him this morning and, and to be challenged by him this morning. What he says to us this morning is a little convicting. And it's going to be a little uncomfortable for many of us. But here's why we've asked Andy to speak. I've been praying about this morning for a little while leading up to today. Um, Here's the the heart of my prayer. There's a lot going on right now in College Station that is exciting. I I hear that the the Astros won something big last night. And I'm not really into baseball, but a lot of you are. So that's great. That's great. Um, Our football team is like way better than we expected, which is pretty exciting as well. And then there was this huge hurricane just south of here, and a lot of people were affected by that. And so all of us with other churches here in town have been sacrificing and going and working to take care of that need. In fact, we had a huge benefit concert right here last night with like five presidents and Lady Gaga in College Station. And when is anything like that ever going to happen again? So there's all these incredible things happening right here, and that's awesome, that's exciting, that's compelling, and yet the danger of all that God is doing here is that we could forget to to raise our eyes and look up and remember it's a really big planet. And there are a lot of people on this planet in great need, both, both physical needs. There are a lot of people living in this world in extreme poverty. They have really no hope. They, they have no resources, no way to make it through life. And then even more dire, there's many people living in this world who have no hope yet of believing in Jesus because they haven't even heard the name of Jesus yet. For them, they're not even to the belief step. They just need to hear, and that's not even possible for them yet. And so there's these huge needs around the world, and it's easy for us to lose focus on that. And so we have invited Andy to come challenge us this morning to look and see the, the fields white for harvest all around the world and, and to see the work that God is doing all over this world and how we can participate in that. And so we have Andy this morning. We also have a a really cool experience that we've never tried before here at Southwood this coming week. You may have noticed as you came in this morning a big banner for Compassion International. They have put together this thing called the Compassion Experience. And the easiest way to describe it, it's like a massive semi-truck that they open up the trailer and you walk through it. It's like an audiovisual experience. And as you walk through it, you see what it looks like for a child growing up in extreme poverty out in the world. Not, not really about here. There is poverty here, but we're talking absolute bottom of the, of the food chain, incredible poverty around the world. You're going to get to see that and understand the, the challenges that they face and how you can get involved in meeting those challenges in the name of Jesus so that they can not only have food, but, but have Jesus. And so we're really excited for you guys to experience that. You can come anytime. It's from Wednesday to next Sunday here in the Southwood parking lot. However, um, it's going to be hard to just walk up and go through because there's like already 1,200 people signed up to go through it. And so we'd love to have you and your kids do it. College students, we'd love to have you do it. It'll be life-changing, but you need to hop on our website 
Go to our website, grace-bible.org. You can do it now. There's a tab that says events. Click the events tab and you'll see compassion experience and you can sign up for a time. So you get in basically a slot when you show up and go through it for 20 or 30 minutes. It'll really help you think about what God wants to do in the nations. So in a moment, we're going to see a video from Compassion, and then we're going to have Andy come and speak. But first, I want, I want us to go before the Lord and, and pray together that God would soften our hearts and, and make us convictable so that we would be ready to, to interact with his spirit and his word and, and be ready to respond. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a God who is present everywhere on earth right now. You are able to see the deepest soul longings of every person simultaneously on the planet Earth. You see all of their needs. You see everything in their lives. And when we know that you love them and that you care about them, we praise you that you are a God of all the nations. And, and so this morning, as we think about that, Lord, we pray that you would stir our hearts and convict us to love the world like you love the world. We pray, Lord, that you would challenge us to to look beyond the immediate needs here, even though they are important and, and we should be participating in them. Help us over the course of the next hour to be able to see further, to be able to see what you're doing in the world, the needs that are there and how we can be involved. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would soften our hearts and help us in this time to be willing to hear your spirit, even if he says something to us that's uncomfortable. We pray that as the word is opened up to us, Lord, that it would, that it would speak deeply to us, that, that we would be willing to, to learn from it and to respond to it. And, and I pray for people in this room, Lord, who maybe have never thought about what you could do in and through them to the nations, whether that's them giving or them going. I pray, God, that you would help them to see their part in that mission this morning. And I pray, God, help them to be willing to say yes to you. Help them to be willing to say, yes, I, I will go, God. I, I will give. I will sacrifice because what you're doing in the nations is worth it. We pray, Heavenly Father, help us to respond in a way that pleases you. We pray as we collect the offering in this moment, Lord, I pray that it would not be mechanical or obligatory, but that instead it would be a joy to worship you through, through our, our wealth as, as we give to you and to what you are doing here and around the world. We praise you, God, that you care about all people, and that we get to join in your mission of reaching the nations for Jesus Christ. It is for his glory and kingdom we pray. Amen. All right, if you guys will watch the screens. In the Philippines, it's so smelly, very dark water. You can see trash, rats, in a given week, we'll go at least for three days without food. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. I would be so jealous with other kids. I would feel that I don't really count. 
Since God, you say you love us, why do you have to take so much from me? I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. People from Compassion showed up at my church. But they said, you're going to go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school long enough to become that educated person uh, that I wanted to be. We go to school, and it's usually like really good meal that we don't usually eat, and especially spaghetti and fried chicken. I knew like, even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny, Maria and Hanshu. Aaron Mitchell. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me that really invested in my life and changed my life. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Uh, today I'm a clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school. I was the first child in my family to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, got called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master, a uh, master of divinity. In Kenya today, I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's not providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me to close to 300 kids so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You did it for me. You did for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me. Yeah, let's, uh, let's pray again, huh? God, we thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to join you in sponsoring the least of these. Just like you said in Matthew 25, whatever you do, the least of these, you do it unto me. And so whether it's um, uh, people whose homes have been devastated in Houston or it's supporting a child on the other side of the world, um, uh, or if it's just a homeless person we see here in Bryan College Station, God, whatever we, I, I pray that you would give us hearts that would be moved when we see need, and we would not be repelled, and we'd not say that's annoying, or um, but, but but rather we would we would do it as if we're doing it unto you because that's what you said. And so, God, I just agree with Blake and pray that today that you would give us ears to hear you, God that you would give us hearts that are ready to receive your words and then ready to, to trust you and to act on those words. You're the only one that can do that. Blake can't do that. I can't do that. Only you, through the power of your spirit and your word, can do that. And so come and meet with us now in a mighty way. We love you and pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. And the church agreed and said, amen. Amen. Uh, howdy. You know, um, last time, uh, the first service, I totally forgot. I had it written like right here at the top of my notes. I got about five minutes in. I'm like, oh man, I forgot to say it. I didn't have to confess that to you, but I just want you to know I don't have it all together, um, kind of from the beginning. So, um, my name's Andy. Uh, I'm from Austin. Uh, don't worry. I didn't start there. Okay. So you can keep doing your gang sign, whatever your symbol is. Um, we got to, we got to Texas about six years ago and we learned there's all these different gang signs depending on what college, you know, you are loyal to. 
And so that's great. Um, uh, we came from Iowa. I grew up in a, in a small town in Iowa. If some of you know John Jordan, he's a part of your church. I uh, grew up in essentially the same small town as him. And then I went to Iowa State University, which is actually a lot like A&M. I know an Aggie probably won't believe me when I say that, but there's, there's a smaller version of, of Aggieville in, in Iowa called Iowa State. And it has a big engineer school and um, a large veterinary hospital there. And so that's where I went to school. And um, I did that and then um, moved to to Iowa City, which is a lot like the Austin of Iowa, again, on a smaller scale, um, but just where all the liberal things in the state happen. And um, and, uh, yeah, just moved there and uh, then got married. Um, Picture of my, our crazy crew right there. Jamie, uh, 15 years of marriage. Uh, The twins um, are 11 years old and then Anna um, is eight and then Bubba is our youngest um, there uh, and he weighs more than his eight-year-old sister. Um, and uh, so he's five. Um, so that's the crew. You can pray for my wife today as she's one on four um, back home. But uh, this morning, we're going to talk about why do we go to the nations? Why do we go to the nations? And I, I want to start out by saying this. For some of you, as soon as we bring up this word nations, you're like, oh, good. I don't have to really listen today. <laughs> and you're like, how did he know? I have gift of prophecy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe it's a bad joke. Um, <laughs> it's just more informal today, okay, guys? This is just, it's easier for me this way. Um, uh, but but uh, lots of times when we talk about the nations, most of us, especially those that are out of college, kind of automatically say, well, you can't be talking to me. And we've got our reasons, right? Like, I, I've, I've got a lot of debt. I've, I'm actually, um, I've got teenagers. Um, maybe I just got a new promotion or I just bought a new house. Or, you know, I, I thought about doing that one time, but now, um, you know, we're empty nesters. We're past that stage. And, and here's what I want to encourage you with. Um, none of those um, things really matter to God. Um, and, and he wants to use you no matter what your circumstance is in life. Um, and I think about uh, uh, some folks that are in our group right now back home uh, in Austin. Their, their names are Mark and Emily. They have three teenagers and a middle schooler, and they're going to get ready to go to the Middle East um, about a year from now. And, and so just through examples, and there's biblical examples we could use of people that typically didn't seem like they had the right stuff, but it was exactly who God wanted to send. Um, and then I think about um, the college students, and maybe some of you non-college students are living in this one too. I think the other time, the other way that, that, that often we disqualify ourselves when we talk about the nations and going to the nations um, is because you're like, man, you, you don't know what I did in the past. I, I mean, I really messed up. And, and you kind of self-select out. And, and the, I think the thing that the Lord wants to speak to you this morning is that when you began to follow Jesus, he made you a new creation. Amen? Now, I don't know if you guys typically say amen or not, but it'll help me if you just go ahead and say it, and then you can mess with Blake next week, okay? Um, uh, so, when, when, so, so when you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, right? If anyone's in Christ, so if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a new creation, Amen? And, and, and even though you messed up, I mean, Jesus knew before the foundations of the world that you were going to mess up. Amen. He knew how you were going to mess up today. He knew how you were going to mess up last night. He knows how you're going to mess up next week. Therefore, you're still a new creation to him. Think about that. That's why this thing we call the gospel is so amazing. He knows that you're going to mess up and yet he loves you and calls you his. And 
What you have done or what you will do doesn't disqualify you from being called into his work. Amen? So now, all of a sudden, you don't have to, he doesn't want you to come with guilt. It doesn't matter if you were pregnant or did make some bad choices or you do any of those things in the future. He still wants to use you. No matter where you're at in life or what you're supposed to do, this isn't a message for just college students. Amen? See, one of the problems with being a part of a a great church like yours is that we sometimes is used as an out for me. You know what I'm talking about? Like you may or may not know that you guys remember the furniture outreach you did at the beginning of the year, the free big giveaway? You guys raise a hand if you you know what I'm... Okay, some of you know what was going on. Some of you were um, still getting used to coming back to school. That's okay. And um, you guys actually gave away a ton of furniture throughout the whole Bryan College Station area, mostly to internationals, right? And then when when these internationals would get this free furniture, they would write their names down and, and see if they wanted to have a follow-up conversation about Jesus. And so there were these two Indian guys that marked that they wanted to get a follow-up conversation. One was a Hindu and one was a Buddhist. And, and some of the folks that are in these goer groups that y'all run here, they went and did a follow-up with him. And guess what? Like two, three weeks ago, both these guys put their trust in Christ. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you can clap for that. Now, now here's what's crazy though. See, because we as a church did that together, right? And you're like, yeah, grace, baby. Right? And then you're kind of like, but I just kind of come on Sundays. But we did that. And we don't own personally the command to go and make disciples. Does that make sense? Because there's a lot of great things on the we side as a church that are happening, that you all are are doing. And I think the thing that God wants us to wrestle with this morning is, am I personally being about the nations? Am I personally willing to go? No matter what my stage of life, no matter how many bad things I have or haven't done or will do, will will I personally go? Why would I not go? With all the commands of, of God in the Bible, and so so clear is his heart for us to go and make disciples of all the nations, why would I not go? And he wants each of us to wrestle with that. And, and here's the thing, guys. If you, you're like, man, when, when, when I think about, you know, the slogan I think that's been floating around here, that, that this church exists to, like, help people um, find and follow Jesus, Right? You, you may have heard that come out of some of your leaders' mouths before. Um, you're like, man, I'm, I'm so on board with that. And yet inside, you're thinking, man, even though I've been here for two years now, or I grew up in church world, I, I, I really don't know if, if it was me in front of those Indian guys. I don't know if I would know how to share my faith with them. I don't know if they said, what does it mean to follow Jesus if I would have any kind of really good response? And, and church, what I would advocate this morning is that we could just be real with one another. I mean, that's what we all want anyways, amen? We don't want this, we don't want this Sunday church stuff. We want real, where, where you can just say, you know what, I've been around church world for a long, long time, kind of grew up in, in it. I know all the lingo, right? It's really, how's your, how's, your, how's your last month gone? Oh, it's really hard, but it's really good, brother. It's really good. You guys know what I'm talking about? You're like, well, I've said that before. So have I. It's okay. 
But that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. Like, I wonder if, if rather than acting like we have it all together, like if we don't know how to share our faith, if we don't know how to help people follow Jesus, if we could just admit that and really trust that this is a family. Maybe some of you have even taught Sunday school classes or, or taught theology classes, and you're like, man, but if it came down to it, I could probably tell you a lot about the salvation of uh, the theology of salvation, but I don't know if I could actually lead somebody. It's okay. We're a family. If you don't know how to do those things, then just tell somebody. Rather than continuing to fake it, amen? Nobody wants to be a faker. It's not fun to be a faker. It's really not. It's way better. And I should know, I was a great one during college. (laughs) Right? Faking my way through, doing this on Sunday, living the, the, the rest of the week this way. Nobody wants to live like that. So, So the rest of our time, we're going to talk about why we go to the nations. We're going to, real quick, we're going to look at the Great Commission, which everybody has probably heard and knows, and then we're going to look at three reasons why we should go to the nations. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. All right, so here it is, Matthew 28. Um, First, we're going to ask, what did Jesus call us to do? What did Jesus call us to do? You guys know this passage, very familiar. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. That's what you all talked about last week, right? Um, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of surely or behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so here's the two things I want us to look at. What is Jesus' mission for us? Number one, it's to make disciples. A lot of times we boil it down just to make disciples. And that's, that's, that's true, right? And, and, and here's how I want to make it a, a um, little different. Even though you've heard this a lot of times, I wonder if we've actually thought about what it means to make disciples, right? Because a lot of times, especially in Christian circles, we, we kind of get this idea of like, Barnabas, what Barnabas did with Paul and what Paul did with Timothy, discipleship, right? I mean, when, when Paul took Timothy into Sweet Eugene's and they both opened their Bibles, I know, I've been there, right? I had my Bible open just like everybody else. And, um, and, and, and we're in there. And that's not a bad thing, amen? It's good to have a mentor, right? It's a good thing. But I, I, would, I would submit to you this morning that, that I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about that kind of discipleship. What he was talking about is actually making disciples, seeing lost people come to know him, seeing two Indians that didn't worship him now worship him. And that's what he wants from every single one of us. See how there's no asterisks in the, in the Great Commission? There's no things that say, unless you're an introvert, right? Introverts, don't worry, you don't have to make disciples because you don't like to talk to new people. You're, you're off the hook. Or moms of, of any size children. You know what? You're really busy. I know your life's really full. You don't have to talk to anybody. Or unless you have a, you know, an evangelism gift or a preach. It doesn't say any of that, does it? It just says, go therefore and make disciples. Every single person is supposed to be a disciple maker. And so again, if you're not sure how to do that, the great thing is you guys run these multiply groups and, and you can learn how to do it. Not in a classroom setting. Not that classrooms are all bad, but, but if, if these guys are going to be in my multiply group, here's what's going to happen is we're going to meet every week and then these two guys, these two good looking guys are just going to come. Yep. You're going to stand up and, and, 
you're going to come with me. We're not going to go to Sweet Eugene's. Not, no offense to Sweet Eugene's. It's awesome. But we're going to go to places, maybe your apartment complexes or where you play. And I'm going to show you how to start conversations and invite people to read the Bible. And then we're going to read the Bible with them. We're going to see some of them trust Christ. And then we're going to teach them to do the same thing. Right? Thanks, guys. But it really, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Right? Jesus wants us all to make disciples. Now, here's the second part. Who does he want us to make disciples of? Yes, we should make disciples. You guys are like never going to sit in the front row again, are you? You're like, I, sh- I told you we should have sat in the second row. Second row would have been better. It's not so bad. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but who are we supposed to make disciples of? What does the text say? Right? Make disciples of all nations. Now, real quick missiology lesson here. When we see all nations in the Bible, we think of the 195 countries in the world, right? The Like Afghanistan, North Korea, United States, we think of all those places, right? And there actually are believers in all those places in the world. In all the political countries of the world, there are believers. You're like, sweet, then I think the Great Commission's finished. Actually, it's not. Because Jesus, um, um, when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek word for nations there is the Greek word ethne. Okay, maybe you've heard that, right? All the ethne. All the, and it's where we get our word ethnic group from, or ethno-linguistic group. And so when you look at the world through the lens of missions and, and anthropology and ethnography, when you look at the world like that, the, 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 the really smart guys that figure all this stuff out say that there's probably about 17,000 ethnes in the world. Now, we don't know exactly. We don't know exactly how God defines an ethne, right? But it certainly doesn't mean the political nations that we're talking about. And so if you take a look at those 17,000 people groups is another way to call another thing to call uh, another word to call an ethne. 6,900 of them are considered unreached with the gospel. So if our command from Jesus, our commission, is go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all the ethne, of every ethne, 6,900 don't seem to have a witness among them. There is very, there's either no believers or very, very few. Let me give you a couple definitions real quick here. People group. So when we're talking about an ethne, here's, here's what we're talking about. Uh, a people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planting movement. That's just a fancy word for a church that plants a church that plants a church without encountering barriers of language or culture. So the gospel goes within a people group and then it runs into language or culture barriers and that's where it stops. So here's an unreached people group. A people group, an unreached people group, unreached with the gospel, is a people group among which there is no indigenous or local, right, community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize their own people group. Typically, this means less than 2% of the group are believers. Now, you're like, well, why 2%? Here's why 2%. Because because once a a group of people become 2% of, of something, that means that the larger group around them that relates to them, knows and understands that that's an option. When it's less than 2%, very, very few or no people know what that thing is. And so here's, so you're like, well, is my, is my, um, is my, uh, a neighbor and a part of an unreached people group then? No, he's not, or she's not. 
They're an unbeliever, but they're not unreached. And the reason they're, they're, they're not unreached is because they have access to the gospel. Access is the issue. Access to the gospel in a language and a culture that makes sense. You, you know why I, ha- I, I know that they have access to the gospel? Because they have you. Amen? And you speak a language they understand and a culture they understand. Right? And, and, and take that compared to uh, a people group in Pakistan where, where I, I got to hang out for a few weeks a couple different times called the Saraiki people. They're 15 million people. Right? 15 million. That's half the state of Texas. And guess how many believers there are among the Saraiki people? Two. Not two million. Not 2,000. Just two. Two believers among 15 million. That's a very, very unreached people group. So you could be born as a Saraiki person in the middle of Pakistan. You could be born... Um, Live and die and never hear the glorious good news of Jesus. That's not right. Amen. That's not what God intended. He wants us, his church, to be involved in what he's doing. He wants us to make disciples of all the people groups, of all the nations. And so I want to give this um, disclaimer real quick before we get to these three reasons why we should go to the nations. This disclaimer. If, if you're like, well, I think our church supports some people that aren't among unreached peoples. Like we got some, we got a short-term trip going to Honduras and we do some stuff in the Dominican Republic and, and Mexico. That's awesome. Okay. I'm, I'm not, what I'm not trying to do is say that unreached is better than reached or, or unreached is better than going to Houston or I'm not trying to compare. And here's, here's my proof text. You look at the book of Acts, right? The book of Acts, chapters 1 through 12, talk about and center around Peter and John, right? Where did they do almost all of their work? In Jerusalem where the church already is, called by God to lead the church where it already is. The second part of the book of Acts, 13, chapters 13 to 28, focuses on Paul and his band of brothers, right? That's ever-changing. Where do they focus on? Everywhere but where the church is, right? You look at Romans 15, 20. He said, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where he's already been named, lest I build on somebody else's foundation. But I'm going to go where nobody's heard. Paul wanted to focus on the unreached. And so here's God's heart. Amen? Reached and unreached. It's not a comparison deal. His heart is for both. And so when, like, for example, Dusty and Megan came up through our church and and really wanted to be pastors in Costa Rica, and we told them about the unreached, and and after a year of talking to them about the unreached, they said, man, we still feel that we want to be pastor." a a, a pastor. Um, Dusty said, I want to be a pastor in Costa Rica. You know what we said? Amen. You should be a pastor in Costa Rica. And we love that. Is everybody clear? Okay, so Mexico versus Pakistan, here, here's what they are to God. Got it? Okay? Okay. So, so how, how should we respond? How should we respond? When we hear about the, the, the needs of the world, of the nations, what should we do? Well, here's, here's what Isaiah did. Isaiah 6, 8. You guys have heard this one before. God says, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Right now, there are about 300 kids and adults from your church out among the nations. Did you know that? That's awesome. 
85 different units, family units, singles and marrieds, marrieds with kids, out among the nations right now that are grace people. That's awesome. They responded the same way that Isaiah did. Hear my, send me. And there's about another 20 in the pipeline going in that direction. And hopefully after today, even more, right? Because, because when we look at God's word, why do we always see the people of God moving? Abraham moved, Moses moved, Isaiah moved, Jesus' disciples. They're always leaving their homes. Why is that? Because we worship a Savior who left his home. Amen? Who didn't stay where everything was comfortable and nice and good. But he said, I'm going to step into what I don't... Well, Jesus knew. But the rest of those guys didn't, right? They didn't have all the answers. They didn't have all the, their questions answered. And they said, so that, that all these people will enjoy, be able to enjoy Jesus, we will go. And so here's, here's the three reasons, okay? These three reasons, and then we'll be done. These three reasons. Number one reason why we go to the nations and why I think God wants you to personally wrestle with or your family to wrestle with going to the nations. Number one, because the mission is sure. The mission is sure it will be accomplished. Number two, because it completes our joy. God has created and wired us in such a way that when we talk, tell others about him, it actually completes the joy of our salvation. Number three, because he is worthy of all the worship that he paid for. And he will get that worship. So number one, the mission is sure. The first reason... The mission is sure. It's sure. We take the gospel to the nations, not so that the mission will be accomplished, but because it will be accomplished. Did you get that? We don't take the gospel to the nations so that the mission will be accomplished, but because it will be accomplished. There's, there's, a, there's a difference in there. Here's my proof text for this one. Revelation 7, verse 9. This is John in Revelation talking about what's going to happen. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. This part of Scripture, this future vision is amazing. And it's given to us not just to like stir warm fuzzies in us. Like, won't it be so great when we're with people from all over the world around Jesus? I mean, that will be awesome. But it's given to us, friends, as a promise. It's a prophecy of what will happen. It's going to happen. Amen? This is going to happen. This is where all of human history is going. It's promised. God's going to accomplish this whether we get on board or not. This is what Jesus said. That the gospel will go forth to all the nations. It's going to happen. And so the reason I bring this up is because sometimes, especially when we start talking about the nations and missions, we can start to, you know, because Iowa is a little bit like Texas or, or whatever you want to say, right? Because there's this, this strong mentality of like, we can do it. We'll do it. Does that sound like an Aggie kind of like, oh yeah, we'll get her done. You know, 
Like, and which is awesome. I love that about Texas. I love that about Aggie land. Okay. But here's what we have to be careful. And God loves that, that spirit too. But here's what we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't believe the lie that God somehow needs us in order to accomplish his work. Amen. See, God's going to do what he's going to do, whether we get on board or not. It's kind of like this. Five years ago, we moved into our house in Austin, and I wanted to build a, a tree house for our kids, right? I'm an architecture major, so it's not your typical, you know, a couple different levels and cantilevers, and, you know, really fun. And I did all the planning. I paid for all the materials. I brought all the materials from the lumberyard home, and I'm getting ready to start, and there's my son, Josiah, six years old at the time, right? And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish the tree house, Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to finish the treehouse. And, and yet I was like, you know what? I should invite Josiah to, to build it with me. It'd be fun for him, right? He'll get some joy out of it. And, and so I invite him and, you know, he does, he does do some stuff. He's six. Okay. So he's nailing, um, you know, uh, some of the nails in, I teach him, you know, let him screw around with the drill. Most of the time he's just over there drilling it in the dirt, you know, and that's okay. Um, now, now how crazy would it be How crazy would it be if in his little six-year-old mind, he thought, man, you know, I'm like, buddy, can you give me the drill? You know, and um, how crazy would it be if he thought, man, daddy is sure lucky to have me help him finish the treehouse. I mean, without my help, he probably wouldn't even be able to get done, right? That would be ridiculous, It would be ridiculous. I'm going to finish it. No matter how much he helps or doesn't help. Right? The same is true of God. God will accomplish his mission. Whether we get on board or not. But what he does is he invites us. He invites us to be a part of his work. Amen? You guys seeing it? The mission will be accomplished. We don't join God so that the mission is accomplished. We join him because it will be accomplished. And we don't just join him because it's going to happen. We join him so that, number two, it completes our joy. Because it completes our joy. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Is like when, when, when you, um, when you go through something great, what do you want to do? So like you get the test results back from the CAT scan, right? You're nervous. It's, it's, it's cancer or tumor and you get the test results back and it's not. What do you want to do? Right? Or you, you, you've been, um, studying really hard and you get an A on that, that really difficult test. What do you do? Or you've been working for two years. You finally get that promotion you really wanted. What do you want to do? Or, you know, that gal that you've asked out five times, you asked her one more time and she said yes. Good job. Uh, What do you want to do? You want to tell somebody, right? You're like, that's it? Yes, that's it. You, you want to tell somebody. Why do you want to tell somebody? You want to tell somebody because that's how God's created you. See, when we go through joyful experiences, God actually completes our joy, makes it whole by us telling other people about it. And when we don't get to tell other people about it, it actually cuts away at our joy. So let's go back to the, the dating one, right? Let's say you've been dating this guy for a year. 
And uh, you go on this really nice date. At the end of the date, he gets down on one knee and you're like, is it going to happen? And he's like, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? I love you. Tears, mascara flying everywhere. You get a big rock on your finger. It's awesome. You get back in the car, right? And you go to pick up your cell phone uh, 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 to call your mom and friends. And your fiance grabs the phone and says, let's not tell anybody. Now, there's a lot of issues going on right there, okay? But that would cut into your joy, amen? And, and, and you should talk to some of your friends immediately about this guy, okay? But it would cut into your joy because why? Because we were created to tell the completion of our joy happens when we get to tell people about the things that have, that have changed our lives, Friends, we said it at the beginning. You were dead and now you're alive. Amen? You were old and now you're new. You, you, you were no longer, you, you used to be outside of the family of God and now you are the family of God. You were not his people and now you are his people. That's good news. Amen? And see, if you don't tell people about this good news, your joy is incomplete. Your joy is incomplete. Now, here, here's what I... Here's the other piece, because sometimes we hear that and, and we say, well, you know, that, that, that's great, Andy. It sounds like God wants to be, me to be happy, and it sounds like I can be happy if I tell people about his joy. But what if I go to one of these unreached countries, one of these places, whether Pakistan or North Africa or China or wherever, and, and I go there and nobody responds to the gospel? What, what joy do I have then, right? I mean... Isn't the joy in them accepting? I'd say there's some joy there. But what if, what if it doesn't look like that? A couple weekends ago, we were in Waco, and we heard about this guy who lived in the Middle East, and it was seven years before they saw the first person, the first Muslim, follow Jesus. So what was their joy based on for six years? Go back to the, to, to the Great Commission. What does it say in verse 20? Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And behold, and when Jesus says behold, it's like, hey guys, pay attention. I'm going to tell you something really, really important. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. Where is Jesus? Well, he's where? Where, where, where was he at the beginning? Where did he want us to go? To make disciples of all nations, right? That's where he is already. It's not like when we go to the nations, we bring Jesus in our backpack, right? It's not like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to put Jesus in here and I'm going to, right? Now I've got Jesus. Here I come, Pakistan. Jesus, you still with me? Yeah, I'm still with you. No, Jesus is already in Pakistan. Amen. He's everywhere. His glory covers the earth. Now the knowledge of that glory, the knowledge of that glory is lacking, Right? And so for some of you, you wonder, man, I, I just don't feel like I've had much closeness with Jesus lately. I don't feel like I've had much closeness with Jesus lately. I wonder if it's because you're giving more time and energy to your mission rather than his mission. And you're over here busy with your mission saying, Jesus, will you come and be with me in my mission? When the mission that Jesus had is already very clearly laid out. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That's where he is. Amen? 
For some of us, we need to lay down our missions, surrender our missions, and join Jesus in his. Every single one of us needs to wrestle through that, what that looks like. Every single one of us needs to hear Jesus say, I will be with you. I will be with you. See, friends, when, 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 there's, when, when you're not seeing fruit overseas, when, you're not, um, when your life is being threatened, I was just talking to uh, a friend that's uh, in Turkey, living in Turkey right now, and the family that is in their city just got told they have 10 days to leave. Right? So for my friend that's going to continue to live there, what is his hope in? What is his hope in? His hope is in the fact that Jesus is with him. Amen? Do, do we experience that kind of withness with Jesus? And I would submit to you that in, if, if, the, if the thing that Jesus has for you is suffering and pain and rejection, that he will be nearer to you, probably, than he is when things are going really well. That's the way that your joy is going to be complete. It's not based on the fruit of what you see or don't see. It's based on whether you're joining him and what he's already doing. So number one is, um, number one is that uh, we, we go to the nations because the mission is sure. The second one is we go because our joy will be complete. And the last one is we go because he's worthy of all the worship that he paid for. He's worthy of all the worship that he paid for. You look at Revelation 5, verse 9. It says this, Worthy are you, Jesus, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tongue and language and people and nation. See, Jesus, when he died, he knew that every people group, all those ethnes, would be bought and would one day, some from every one of those tongues and tribes and ethnes, would worship him. And all of them, there will not be a single one missing. Amen? See, Jesus is worthy to get all of that worship. And so when we go and join the 300 people that y'all have already sent overseas, when we go and join them, especially when we go to those unreached ones where there's no or very few believers, we go in confidence knowing that some from this people group will be around the throne. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what the going looks like for you. For some of you, you need to go long term. And I'm not just talking about the college students. For some of you, you just need to go across the street and start there and talk to the neighbors that you've had for seven years. Just say, you know what? I've, I've, I've not been a good neighbor to you. We've never had you over to our house. Would you come over? And then when they're over... Talk about the good news. If you're not sure how to do that, learn from somebody. For some of you, you need, to, um, in, you need to take not just what you have been investing, but you need to invest even more. You want to talk about return on investment? I mean, really? You really want to talk about a return on investment? How about billions of years? See, when I give to our friends, when Jamie and I give to our friends in Jordan that are proclaiming the gospel, I know there's going to be Muslims in heaven that, that used to be Muslim that now follow Jesus, and they're going to rejoice forever because we helped John and Jen proclaim the gospel. Amen? That's going to last for billions of years. That crushes any investment you can make on the earth. Amen? I'm not saying you can't have investments. Just invest more in things that will last forever. 
A lot of spit there, sorry. <laughs> it just matters infinitely more. So whatever God's calling you to step into, get a group of people and do it together by faith. That's where the most joy will be. Because there's coming a day, friends, when we'll all be around the throne and we will get a witness and partake in Jesus getting all the worship that he deserves. It's coming. And he's inviting us to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, we thank you that um, you let us be a part. Such a, a privilege that we get to, first of all, just be your children. That, that alone is enough. The fact that you have adopted us and made us your own through the blood, through the death and resurrection of Jesus is amazing. And then that you would go a step further and say, um, I'm, I'm going to work in the world to, to call the rest of my children to myself. And guess what? You can be a part of it. What an, what an honor. Thanks that there is this joyful invitation from you. Give us faith, God. Give us faith to step into your invitation today. I pray that we wouldn't delay any longer. We wouldn't make up lots of excuses. Instead, like Abraham and Sarah, we would step out by faith, not knowing all the answers, but we would hear from you and we would obey. We love you. We trust you for these things. We pray in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Y'all give Andy a hand. Tell him thanks for coming. Appreciate that. Uh, my name is Chris McGuffey, working the global outreach uh, part of our church, and I have a confession to make. Sometimes we as pastors, we sit around in these uh, rooms with no windows, uh, planning out the rest of your lives, okay? And, uh, and sometimes we, you only get glimpses of how, ooh, here's an opportunity we have, or here's an opportunity we have, or here's something else, without us doing a very good job of explaining that really there's a pathway involved. Okay, so today we started with what, what a great picture uh, from Andy, that we go to the nations. Which nations? Every nation. Okay, That's what we're responsible for as a church. Not that our unique individual body would be in the 195 different countries, but that we would own the whole. Okay, And so if God is tugging on your heart to do something like that, to be a part of that, then we want to have a conversation with you and to f- help you begin to understand what some of those beginning steps might be. Some of you guys are ready. You're just waiting for somebody to ask, and that's what happened this morning. You take a step backwards, and maybe you think, well, I'm really interested in what that looks like, but I'm not sure that I'm ready for that next step. Did you know that we actually arrange our summer missions programs to give families and others opportunities to be able to take some of those early first steps into missions to see if that's the part that the Lord is calling them to? So we have, a uh, for our adults, we have a trip called Honduras. Uh, that goes down there uh, this summer. We've been there for uh, three or four years already. We're going to have a missions informational that happens on November the 19th. And you can come and you can, you can find out uh, the information, what it takes to get there for a week and have a, maybe an initial missions experience and to be able to listen more carefully what the Lord is saying in your heart. If you're a college student, we have some other types of opportunities. Even if you've never been involved in the college service, uh, next week we're asking you guys to do two things, to bring two things. Uh, one is an empty stomach, okay, because we're going to give you free pizza, okay, and the other is an open heart, 
Okay, and we're going to meet together over there at 1230. We're going to talk about all of the different places that our college ministry sends because we gather people in church to send them to the nations. That's why we're here. And we would love for you to come in to be a part of that. And again, you may know, you may feel like you've tied yourself to this, uh, this calling, this job, this future that you have. But is that not being tied by you or is that being tied by the Lord? And we have to come before him with an open heart to test out that every once in a while to make sure that we're not, like Andy said, just making plans on our own and inviting Jesus in, but that we're actually going where he's going. So we want to invite you next week, if you're a college student, to meet us in the college department, cross the hallway over there, grab some free pizza, and listen to what our church is trying to help mobilize people towards uh, in terms of the nation's. We opened up the, our time together with Compassion International. And you think, well, how does that fit in? Okay, let me tell you, if you take a look at the world's, uh, the, the people that don't know uh, Christ yet, those that are in unreached people groups, almost all of them live in poverty. And if we as a church can't somehow gain not only a heart to reach out to those that are poor, but also the skills to understand that, how to translate this message of the gospel into poverty, then we will never make a big difference among the nations. So we invited Compassion International in, not just so that our kids uh, could go and learn about what's going around the world, although that's a great opportunity, but that we can learn about what's happening among the poor around the world because that's what God has called us to do, to take the gospel message into these difficult places, some of those barriers being socioeconomic. So we invite you to come in to see what Compassion International is doing, to invite you to be a part of that, but to understand that for those of you that know for some reason that that's not what God has called you to do to go overseas, that you can still make a difference in the lives of those kids. And then last, you can see up here on the, on the board, we just want you to know that there's actually what we call a normative pathway to the nation's. Because some of you guys, maybe for the first time, maybe you hadn't been listening, maybe you refused to listen until today, is that you, you didn't necessarily want to give the Lord this part of your heart. And now you're ready to have a conversation. And if you're ready to have a conversation about maybe what the Lord is calling you to do, we want to do that. We want to be available for you to think about some of these things. Go to Awaken. Uh, take perspectives as a class. Uh, do a summer mission. Meet with some guys, get trained, figure out what's going on in the world and understand how God can use you the way he's already brought you up, maybe with what you've studied or what you've been doing for years. And that God wants to take that stewardship and to pour it out on those who have yet to know him. So if you guys want to do that in your seats, we usually use them uh, either for prayer or for a little bit of information. You fill out one of these cards and we'll make you a deal. If you want to sit and talk with somebody about some of those initial steps of going to the nations, uh, of, of going overseas, of even just being involved more missionally here in our city, if you'll take that card out and fill out uh, your name in a way that we can get a hold of you and write Crazy Andy on it or write missions or write something else on that card and draw, give it to me up front or you can drop it in one of our boxes at the back, then we'll make a commitment that over the next few weeks, you'll get a phone call from us and we'll help you design some next steps for you to figure out how God can fulfill this burden that he's placed in your heart. We as a church want to be about reaching our community but not neglecting the nations. That is what God has given us to do. And we're inviting you guys to be a part of that the best that we know how. Let me pray for us as we close.
Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the opportunity to come to church and be scared. So often we're here to be comfortable. That it's a refuge from the world and we come here and and oftentimes in my heart I walk in this room and I feel like I know exactly what's going to be said and it's comfortable. But I thank you for the moments that I get tremors because you might call me to do something that I didn't have on my own plate. Lord, would we honor you with that trembling today by taking the next step? Would we not just go to lunch and put it aside? Would we track that down and find out whether that's our neighbor or somebody that's across town or somebody that's across the world that you want us to play a role of experiencing the great joy and privilege of being a part of the Great Commission and that we could do that together for your glory and for your honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great week.